It's time for Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Brought to you by Thielen Meats, Oars and Mine Marine in Crosby, Bermel Shoe Store in Randall, Live Axe Marine in Isle, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Now, here's your host for Brainerd Outdoors, Brian Moon. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Always a treat to have Brian Bro Brosdahl join us, and uh, he drops by this week, and we've got a variety of things to uh, talk to Bro about. First off, uh, welcome back to the show, Bro. Hey, thanks for having me. We're going to talk a little bit about some uh, panfish tactics, but uh, first I wanted to pick your brain a little bit on perch fishing, Bro. Oh, perch perch are a wonderful fish. Uh, you know, morning and evenings, uh, crappies bite, but perch bite during the day. That's why I like them. I like action, and uh, you know when you go perch fishing, you're going to catch a lot of fish. Perch don't get really huge, so a, a good uh, jumbo perch is anything over 10 inches up to 13 inches. And uh, these are a volume fish, and they're really popular with out-of-staters because it's the only fish that we have that you could have a double limit. You could have 20 a day, 40 possession, and uh, they're tremendously popular, and uh, they're, they're wonderful eating. We all know that the Dakotas have great perch, too, but... They're, they're boom or bust. You go there, you go there and, uh, and scratch out. Uh, they do have some giants, but we have consistent jumbo perch uh, factories, I would call it, Lake Winnipegosh, Leech Lake. There's, it takes so much to grow big perch. And uh, in Wisconsin, Green Bay used to have big perch. It was rivaled by no other body of water. They had giants. But uh, their population crashed, and uh, their traditions were uh, eating perch and, and uh so they, they have to travel to get them. And they do have a few lakes like Madison Chain and all that that have a few jumbo perch, but not like ours. Their jumbo perch there are the ones that we throw back here. <laughs> <laughs> and you had said, too, I mean, through the years, our, our bag limits have changed, and so things have had to evolve a little bit. Oh, yeah. they. This was the mecca for them, uh, for anybody co- coming out of state, because we had no limits at our perch. And quite honestly, very few Minnesotans that I know even targeted perch. Perch were a nuisance. They steal your bait while you're fishing for crappies or walleyes, and uh, and sometimes didn't uh, get received very well when they were caught in the boat or through the ice. And uh, I, I remember in the past, just like eel pout used to litter the lakes, you'd drive around, you'd see eel pout laying all over the lakes, and now they don't because everybody loves them. You used to see perch littered all over the lakes. And I'm going back not not 10 years, but 20 years ago, there was big perch all over the lakes just laying there, and then I think it, it took basically it took Wisconsin and and Iowa showed us that hey these these are uh, something good and uh, they're like a little and and, and uh, Illinois is, they really love perch but our, our our tourism showed us that how tremendously popular the perch are and plus if you do get out out of state and you look in the the fish markets perch are almost twice as much as a walleye so it's amazing and uh, now. There's more Minnesotans than ever, but still our, our biggest population in what I call the March Perch Madness is uh, Wisconsin, and they love them, and, uh, and uh, they, they know the area well. But uh, I, I get a lot of phone calls for uh, Big Jumbo Perch, and uh, they're, they're fun because while you're fishing for the right-sized perch, you're catching other ones. It's, it's a high-volume deal. You, you, you get a lot of bites and a lot of action to get the right ones, and you set your mark on what size you want to keep, and then you just kind of grind through fish all day. The lakes are always changing, and uh, sometimes when, when perch are targeting themselves, perch are actually cannibals, the young of the year perch, and they also eat shiners, whatever. They're opportunists. 
when they are targeting young of your perch, they'll hit spoons. They love spoons, and that's because they're chasing minnows. So spoons, uh, like a, uh, a small 30-second old buckshot or a forage, a, a forage fry, uh, are probably the most popular perch baits ever. And uh, some of the classic colors, gold has always been a tried true color in the area, but, uh, you know, with the with all these glow colors uh, in different colors, I would say the, the newest hot one would be day glow perch. It's a, it's a glowing perch pattern. Any kind of fire tiger. And then puppet minnows, uh, which are just like a chicken wrap, all that stuff. In, in fire tiger that represents perch or anything else, they love it. And, but if they're not chasing young of your perch, if they're not chasing minnows and they're eating insects, that's where uh, you can get by. You're not so much, you're not using a minnow head on a spoon, you're using bro bug. One of the first things I designed uh, over 15 years ago at Northland Tackle looks like a, a larvae coming out of the out of the mud and they they eat mayfly larvae they eat uh bloodworms or anything else that uh, comes out of there and if they're on a bug bite you could you could do really well using plastics uh and uh any of the bug collection i designed and then there's other times where you just uh bring bring wax worms uh bring spikes which are uh maggots or ural larvae you can call them a small bait uh, for uh, cold front conditions, and then uh, size up when you can. But there are times when you can't beat a minnow. A minnow on a hook, uh, they love uh, uh, medium-sized uh, fatheads. And you'll go into bait shops, they'll have fatheads for walleyes, they'll have crappie minnows. And the middle-sized dace or fathead is a perch mix. Just hanging a, a minnow on a uh, small red hook, or you could try different colored hooks themselves. And even a drop shot. I like to use drop shots and set rods on uh, buckets. And, and I actually designed a rod specifically for perch fishing. And, and on a bucket, it's a it's a 28-inch dead stick. And it, it's got a noodle tip so the fish could hit it. And you don't need a bobber because the tip moves. It gives. And then uh, you got time to get to it to set the hook. But drop shots or a split shot and a hook on the nice days. Um, and then also just moving around. I always say that... Uh, in perch fishing if you could just bucket weather is great you go whole hop sit on a bucket even in a fish house if, if, if you want to sit in one spot it's the only fish you know that the schools are going to come through several times in a day and you don't even have to chase them so as far as aggressively do you want to jig aggressively does that help your chances or if you just want to stare at a bobber it, is that okay too and, and both of those work oh yeah uh, both work i have a I have uh, a guide friend that when I go and I, I drill out a lake, he tends to go really slow and sit in a hole. And, you know, sometimes I, I'll come back and he's still in the same hole, but uh, it, it complements my style because I'm gone. I drill too much and I'm all over the place. Well, he'll start catch. some days he'll catch more sitting on a good contact point, a good uh, area, good inside turn or or uh, just the right feature, N- nothing uh, super sharp, just a gradual break, and uh, he'll he'll be hammering them. So sometimes sitting is better. It's not all about cutting the ice from one end to the other. That's nice if it's slow and you want to go pick off fish faster, you know, r- running a string of holes. But we don't have to have a, uh, a drill-a-thon to see who can drill the most holes. Just drill a dozen holes in a zigzag pattern and work your way through them, and, and you'll find that, There'll be one spot where you'll keep catching fish in that same hole, and that's the place that we set up the house. It's no different than when I'm walleye fishing or crappie fishing. There'll be one spot that'll hold the perch, 
better than the others and that you'll look with an aqua view under the water to see what's there and it looks pretty much the same but it's their travel route from wherever they're coming they'll they'll come through an area uh we've written stories cryptic cruising lanes and all these different mitigating factors which uh perch travel and they when, when they do come out of the base of the lake and they do head into the food shelves there are certain areas where they just keep showing up over and over and when you find those spots that's a spot you could you could drop a house and catch them every time. Perch love flats, uh, cara flats, which is a skeletal fragment and algae that grows on the bottom. They actually spawn in it. Eel pout also spawn in it. Uh, gravel bottom areas, uh, old weed beds. They're in these areas because there's there's bloodworms. Bloodworms feed on dying weeds, and bloodworms are tiny. They look like a little angleworm, but super micro and when the perch are eating them, they'll cough them up in the hole or mayfly. So somewhere near the basin, the first contact points near a basin, and where you where you catch them in around opener day, they're not far from the where you're, you're at. You can actually see the area usually from where you catch them. You'll catch walleyes on the walleye spawning areas, but the the perch have the weedy areas nearby. Those fish aren't far from there uh, from now till spring, and uh, they just ramp up more and more. Deep water when there's a cold front, uh, and uh, they're they're going to slowly start moving out of deep water. But on Lake Winnipegosh, you don't have to go really hyper deep. Uh, they used to, in the past we were known chasing the fish in the twenty to thirty fours, but now it's been more the eighteen to twenty one, right on that edge, just like a walleye break line, or you would drag a leech for a walleye uh, near near the weed beds. That's where the perch are hanging on uh, Bemidji, Winnipegosh and Leech Lake. And Leech Lake has more shallow flats, so they'll roam, but you can uh, definitely get on them. And uh, when you're in in the area, stop by in the bait shops, they'll, they'll send you in the right direction. And then from there, you know, they're not going to say go to this hole, but if they give you an area, you know you can find them. And uh, I, I would say if you have uh, four guys or so, you, you spread out, you know, do two in one spot, two in another, or, or completely spread out on the ice. If you watch how the Wisconsin guys fish, they're never next to each other. They are spread across the lake, and they all have orange clothing. <laughs> They're deer hunting clothing. And, uh, but they find them every time. And uh, I'll tell you, uh, so, yeah, there's nothing better than getting out and catching some perch. And then another uh, fish to chase, crappies. The crappies, it seems to me, from uh, western Minnesota to Duluth and everything in between, there's some great year classes of crappies coming up. Even as far away as Osakis, you know, that's, a, that's not in our area, but I just want to let you know, there are crappies all over the place. In uh, great year classes, some lakes, uh, we're seeing a lot of uh, uh, 11-inch crappies and some 12s and 13s here and there, but uh, that's generally not the rule. So uh, it's, it's kind of exciting having good populations of crappies back, and uh, uh, they had uh, some good, good hatches here, uh, good spawns. Uh, several years ago, and now they're in our lakes uh, really well. Uh, so we got another fish to target. They're fun, they're shallow, and you can catch them right under the ice in shallow bays. They'll move up in there. I, I try to tell people just to be cautious. Take your 10 and be done with it. Don't uh, don't sort fish in deep water. If, this, if a small one comes up, that's the one you keep. Even though they swim away, they're, they bleed internally and they're dead. So crappies do not sort in deep water. They come up shallow. You know, then you can immediately release a fish. But uh, uh, earlier winter, January through uh, March, 
they're, they tend to be a little bit deep. Any special tactic there, uh, bro, that you like to use for crappies this time of year? Oh, I love using plastics for crappies. One of my favorite is uh, is uh, the water bug, and then the the slug bug in a, a impulse plastics by Northland, uh, and then of course it, the bro bughead. It's kind of a funny name, but easy to remember the bro bughead or the bro bug. Uh, just add the plastic to it, the plastic tail, and water bug is really cool. It looks like a little frog, a flat frog, and. Uh, you wouldn't think it would be great for crappies. We hammer them on that thing. They just love the shape of it. It's a home run. I've used it even when I'm traveling uh, for work uh, in the Mid-South. I catch them on that water bug. I catch them anywhere, anywhere in Minnesota, down in the Mississippi River to uh, where I live, to Duluth, to Brainerd area. That water bug is a home run, so stock up on it at your local shop. But to try that on a bug head or just get a 32nd-ounce jig, you want a, a longer hook, it's a bigger bait, and you'd be surprised. Even in the heart of winter when people are using tiny baits, I drop the water bug, and the crappies have no problem eating it. So that's something to check out. That's uh, uh, Brian Bro- Brosdahl. If people want to get a hold of you, Brian, and maybe check you out, see what you're up to, what's the easiest way to do that? The best thing is Facebook. Uh, check me out at uh, Brian Brosdahl Promotions on Facebook. Bro, thanks a ton. I appreciate it. All, all kinds of great information there. Uh, and can't wait to talk to you again, okay? Hey, thanks for having me. More of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. And we are getting into the early stages of ice fishing here in the state of Minnesota. So I thought we'd bring in Mr. Ice Fishing, Dave Gens, and talk a little bit about uh, some early season tactics. And uh, I guess, Dave, uh, we'll start off. What do you got for us? Uh, certainly. You know, it's a good time of the year to you know, wear that life jacket out on the ice. You know, so if you do fall through, at least somebody can come, can come rescue you. Uh, you know, some of the other things that, that I like to do is is uh, at, at Clam we make a, a little thing called an emergency throw rope, and uh, it looks like a throwing dummy that you'd use for training a dog. Only there's a rope inside of it, and you could toss this to somebody that was that had fallen through. But what we like to do is we take the rope out of it and drag it behind us. So when we're walking out there on the ice, you know, pulling our fish trap around, we're dragging this 50 foot rope behind us. So you know, it makes you feel a, a lot better that. You know, if you did fall through that, somebody doesn't have to get out to you. The real key is to walk with a with a chisel. You know, you you hit the chisel and then you keep on walking. You know, and as you know, as long as the chisel don't go through, neither will you. But you got to keep walking and hitting. You can't, you know, check the ice here and then walk a couple blocks and check it again. You got to keep hitting it as you're walking. We're going to talk about some some products also that are out with Clam and, and Ice Team here in just a bit, Dave. But I did want to pick your brain on some early season tactics like this. Uh, we've been talking some walleye stuff on the show, but it, as you said, you're going after uh, bluegills and and some crappies mixed in. So, what are you going for a plan of attack this time of year? Well, there's you know there's you know a couple options. You know, if you could find any green weeds, you know that's the you know key for all species of fish this time of the year. Uh, generally, they grow on the inside turns, you know, or, you know, kind of a hook in the weed line or something that were the deep water. And, you know, them, them weeds tend to still be standing where a lot of the weeds on the flats have all been, you know, blown down by the wind. Uh, kind of a rule of thumb that I use, if the, if the weed line on the lake is eight feet or less, then I look for deeper water. If it's, you know, eight feet or more or 10 feet or more, 
you know, then I, then I look for fish in the weeds. So, you know, some of the things, you know, hopefully you find that out before you get to the lake, but there's, no, it's never just a, a gimme that they're going to be in a certain spot. You got to do a little research. You got to keep looking until you find them. So let's talk about some of the new uh, tackle ta- tactics out there and some of the new uh, things that the ice team and clam have out there because uh, I guess we'll start off talking the, the tungsten stuff because, boy, that's a new way that anglers are going now, isn't it, Dave? Yeah, that's kind of the, kind of the big craze now is, uh, is tungsten. You know, I've been preaching small jigs that fish heavy for, you know, 30 years I've been talking about that. And, it, you know, a few people caught on, but a lot of people were still using lures that fluttered down but now when this, this tungsten got going, you know, it's 30% heavier in lead. And, you know, the fishermen have really went that way. I think what, why they're catching more fish on it is because they took the kinks out of their line, it, you know, being a little heavier. You know, kind of the drawback to, to, to tungsten is that, you know, most of this stuff is made in Europe. And they use a lot uh, smaller hooks. And so the hook sizes were so small on the, on the smaller profile jigs that I couldn't hardly get a waxworm on it or a big piece of plastic or multi-larva on it. So what we did at Clam this year is we made the, the drop series and we call them the XL and we raised the hook size by by two. So it was a number 14, now it's a number 10, but it has the same body on it. You know, so we so we didn't, you know, make it you know, this big bulky body. We got a nice slim looking body with a decent sized hook. So we can put a minnow on it, set a couple of wax worms, and get, uh, I know it's going to be really popular. Yeah, and I'm just kind of looking on the website right here, and even as far as uh, spoons and stuff that you guys have developed, there, there's some new stuff that they're out too. Yes, you know, we, we developed the, the bomb spoon last year, which is, you know, basically a, you know, a piece of lead with a flat top on it, got up and down quick in that deep water. You know, the, the deep water perch fishermen were really liking that. Well, this year we made the time bomb. And it, uh, we put that the bomb spoon on a, on a piece of wire so that when you work this thing, when you're down there bouncing it on the bottom, up and down, that, that, that piece of lead slides back and forth on the wire, and it has a glass bead on it and a, and a, a bronze bead, and they bang together. And, you know, so it's what rattles, make noise. You know, kind of we joke about tick, 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 boom, you catch a fish. <laughs> uh, and one other thing, too, you and I were kind of talking about this off air, uh, plastics, clams really gotten into in, uh, into those too, and one of them that we kind of talked a little bit about last year, but it's really taken off of those Mackey plastics. Uh, what's making those so popular right now, Dave? Well, the Mackey plastic is all hand poured, and because it's hand poured, they you know they can control the heat a lot more, and the stuff is really pliable. It almost feels real when you have it in your hands, so it takes very little movement of your rod, and 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 the the plastic is waving in the water. You know, we had quite a few different varieties last year, you know, the Mackey and the Spiky and the Draggy. You know, this year we made a couple of new ones, one called the Minnow. So it, it, it looks like a little baby minnow. You know, got a nice tail to it, but it, it, it's so soft that when you when you move it, you know, it, it looks like it's swimming in the water. During the daytime hours, it's amazing how many fish you can catch, you know, in the walleye's pike on these, on these smaller baits. You know, I find using small baits during the, the, the daytime hours, and, you know, if I'm using the, the larva or I'll put a bunch on or maybe a little piece of plastic, you know, we make one, uh, Mackie makes one called a minnow head also. So, you know, I'll put, I'll put these little pieces of plastic on a treble hook, I'll put one on each hook, and 
you know, it seems like it's more effective than than fishing with a minnow. Uh, you know, the fish aren't really feeding that time of the day, but they're curious, you know, and they want to check something out, and the only way they can check it out is with their mouth. So, you know, we get to get, you get to catch them anyway. And you said these are hand-poured, so there's a gentleman out in uh, New York that makes these, right? Yeah, he's a, he's a school teacher out there, and, and he developed these, these plastics. I think he's an industrial arts teacher is what he is, so I'm sure some of this stuff is probably came up with with this project at school. I know some of his uh, students over the years that actually have patents on stuff that they developed in their classes there at, at his, industrial, his industrial arts class. It's a family thing. His wife and his, his uh, uh, both of his kids are involved. You know, I know about that because that's how I got started, too. Everybody pitches in and makes it happen. I just can't get enough ice fishing. I just, well, like I said, I took a boat this year, a brand-new boat, and I cut eight-inch holes in the floor of it. <laughs> and put a standpipe on there so I can simulate ice fishing in the summer. I saw that on Facebook, and I, I had to chuckle because if and if you ever get a chance, uh, you know, go to the Clam Facebook page or something. I believe there's some pictures of it on there. Uh, how did you come up with that concept, Dave? Well, it was just, uh, you know, actually quite some time ago we did something similar to this. We took a, a small John boat and we cut the, you know, one of the pieces of aluminum up between the, the ribs, and we siliconed a piece of plexiglass in between there and screwed it in there, and and we we cut a hole in that and put a piece of stove pipe on there and, and siliconed that in place. And then we took a black fish trap cover and put over the top of it so we could see down there. Uh, the problem with it was when you flipped it over, you, like, died from the heat almost instantly in the summer. And, and then it got pulled up on shore, and then somebody stepped on it and broke the glass, and so it kind of... That's as far as it went. Well, I just knew that, you know, basically what I did, you know, years back is I took our summer fishing techniques of electronics and rods and reels and 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 took it to ice fishing, you know, and mobility. You know, I made a winter bass boat. You know, now what I've done is I've taken the, the ice fishing techniques that we've developed and learned, and I'm using them in the summertime. It, it works. You know, it's just a lot of fun to be out there fishing through the hole of the boat Seeing my friends kneeling down on the floor, you know, fishing with their ice fishing rod, giggling because they got a fish on their line, and it's, it's a lot of fun. And so now you can quote unquote ice fish year round. Yeah, you know, you know, basically, and you know, catch these fish that are under the boat. It's amazing how how many times we catch fish right over the side of the boat. Well, now I can watch them on my electronics easily, and you know, I got a thirty pound anchor on the front and the back of this boat so that it. Uh, once you, once you put the anchors down, it stays in that in that position. I see some some new new lures uh, being used more, and you know it's another thing that's you know caught on as one of these jigging wraps. You know they're using that a lot more in the summertime now. So I think we're going to see more and more of our ice fishing sedimentations being used in the summer. It's Mister Ice Fishing, Dave Gens. Dave, if people want more information on you and the products you were talking about, what's the best place to to get that? Well, uh, you know, Clam dot com obviously has a catalog on there you can see them all but if you're just looking for some great fishing information and what's going on go to iceteam.com of course my website davegens.com are all good spots to get in, you know good information on how to catch more fish through the ice there you go mr ice fishing dave gens a good friend of brainerd outdoors thanks a ton for everything dave and i'm sure we'll talk to you down the line here this winter okay okay brian thanks it's always fun more of brainerd outdoors after this on b93.3 
Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Special guest this week, we are lucky enough to be joined by Tony Roach with uh, Roach's Guide Service. And we're going to talk a lot of walleye fishing with Tony this week. Uh, I believe, Tony, this is the first time we've had you on Brainerd Outdoors, so welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Brian. Well, we like to call do a little broken field running here and move around a little bit. Uh, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about something you like to call ice trolling, uh, which is an interesting thing in itself. But what, what are things that you like to do this time of the year? Because uh, you kind of like to, to kind of run the gamut between daytime and nighttime fishing. Yeah, Brian, you know, for me, I mean, the ultimate in ice fishing, especially during daytime hours, is, like you said, ice trolling. What we do on Mille Lacs, Winnebagosh, a lot of different lakes with a lot of structure is, you know, kind of mark out the structure, uh, either with a four-wheeler, a, a vehicle, you know, just marking out those contours and then come back and then drilling at various steps. Now, where, you know, ice trolling really shines is when you find fish at a particular depth and you start drilling more holes uh, in those areas. Now, this time of year where the fish really aren't traveling a lot, you know, you're not seeing aggressive fish. Uh, come from afar, even on clear lakes like Mille Lacs. Um, you know, you're not seeing fish that are that are moving uh, at any distance during the day. So what we do is we really start to tighten up our hole pattern. So once we find fish in an area, we tighten up our hole pattern. Sometimes that means downsizing with your presentation and working that pot of fish. As soon as you've picked up those aggressive fish, you just simply drill holes or ice troll down the line until you hit an the next pod of active fish. Now, this is a great daytime uh, way to ice, ice fish all year long, but this time of year in particular, you know, you're picking up a few of the aggressive fish, but you're going to see lots more that aren't biting. Those are great areas to return to towards evening. So if I get into an area where I'm seeing lots of fish, we picked up a couple, uh, they're just not active or aggressive during the day. I mark those spots on my GPS and then I those are definitely spots you're going to want to return to because you're looking for good numbers of fish to set up during peak feeding, peak feeding periods, you know, mornings, evenings, and, of course, at night. What do you think the biggest mistake anglers make, Tony, when they're drilling their hole patterns? Do you think, do like you said, you want to tighten them up a little bit. Do you think sometimes it can be just a little bit too loosey-goosey with it? Loosey-goosey or, you know, I think that the biggest, you know, thing, thing that I see anglers make is, They'll drill a bunch of holes and then fish those holes and not move. Um, you know, if I drill 200 holes on a spot and I'm not marking fish, I don't really care about those holes. I want to find areas that are holding fish. So I don't have ownership to those holes. I really don't care if there's no fish there or if they're not biting, I'm just not seeing them. We'll just move on to the next area. It might be a, uh, just down the break line. It might be a mile away. It might be five miles away but just not uh, limiting yourself to those areas uh, just because you drilled holes there. The daytime hours, I tend to fish high in the water column, bright natural color, you know, I should say natural colors or, you know, kind of matching the hatch depending on where you're at. You know, obviously Mille Lacs is super clear. Winnebagosh is super clear. A lot of these natural, you know, lakes are clear in Minnesota, but if you get in, you know, to a stained water situation, you're going to want to go with bright, rattling type of baits, loud baits. Uh, a lot of people would call them search baits, uh, something that's going to draw fish to your location. And what I do when I'm looking for fish is I don't spend that much time in a hole. I might spend 30 seconds to a minute in a hole. I'm just trying to see if I can mark a fish or get a reaction out of the fish. Once we've located an area where we're seeing lots of fish, then we start tweaking our presentations where we may be downsizing or, uh, you know, um, 
changing up colors, uh, you know, sometimes it means upsizing. You know, if the fish are aggressive, they're coming in fast, but they won't quite hit it. Or if you're missing a few fish because you're using smaller treble hooks on your spoon, you know, that's time to upsize. So, you know, we can upsize and downsize just as easy in the, you know, in the same breath as, as when we're out there fishing, you know, um, there's lots of times where I, I think anglers are using too small of baits and, and vice versa. There's other times where, you know, the fish just aren't quite aggressive. They don't want to come off the bottom that much. Well, as long as we're seeing them there, then we'll come back and kind of fine tune our presentations. The whole ice trolling concept, Tony, is it something that you kind of uh, developed yourself through trial and error or did you see the concept kind of from someone else and you just modified it to, uh, to fit your liking or, or is it something that you basically just kind of came up with through the years? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't want to say I'm the first one to ever drill a lot of holes. Um, I, I kind of learned it from uh, my dad and, and a bunch of guys actually up on Winnebagosh because we used to look for perch. And back then, obviously, you didn't have um, the GPS technologies that we do today. So we'd get out to an area that was, you know, uh, a big flat, especially on Winnie. There's monster flats. And we'd just kind of line up and all drill a bunch of holes. And... Uh, Lo and behold, you know, you you go along, you weren't catching them, weren't catching them, all of a sudden you just run into the mega schools of perch. And so then I started drilling holes along contour lines. Um, you know, when I got into lakes like Mille Lacs or Leech or even Lake of the Woods, Red Lake, you know, some of those areas where I wasn't quite sure where the fish were at, I started drilling holes. So then I started fine-tuning that to recognizing seeing fish at a certain depth, or, um, you know, along a certain contour line, or maybe it's just the substrate on the bottom where we're starting to find fish in rocks or weeds. And so, you know, your hole patterns can change that way as well. So I just, I really started just fine tuning it, drilling more holes. And, you know, I, I've always been the type of person that's been curious about what's down, down there and, and what's around the corner and what's around the bend. So then we started taking whole sets of structures and really drilling them out and figuring out why the walleyes are relating to certain areas by using underwater cameras, and, you know, it just went from there. So I don't want to clearly claim that I'm the only one that uh, ice trolls are the first one to develop hole hopping because I just kind of modified it to our needs. And then as a guide, you know, we, we set people up on high percentage areas, spots where we're seeing lots of fish, good numbers of fish, catching fish, and then we as guides just ice troll down the break until we bump into active schools of fish, and then we'll move our customers down to those areas. Some of these concepts, I mean, obviously you do like to punch a lot of holes when you're when you're going after uh, pan fish, but some of these concepts that you're talking about with ice trolling, do they translate to pan fishing as well? Oh, for sure. It's just a matter of whether you're structure fishing or you're basin fishing. Depth can play a big role, obviously, uh, shallow water, flat you know, uh, especially as we get into later in the season and the fish start coming up underneath the ice or getting really shallow, there's times where you'll have to drill out an area, let it rest, and then come back and kind of, uh, whether you're sight fishing or fishing, you know, just below the ice or, you know, in, in 10 feet of water or shallower, um, you know, sound can be a big thing where you spook those fish out of that area and then you come back. I love um, pan fishing in general, you know, all season long, but when you get into March and the fish start to get real aggressive and you're getting big numbers of fish moving a lot shallower, yeah, the ice trolling changes a bit. We're not as focused on structure trolling like we were for walleyes, 
we're more or less drilling holes looking for fish. An underwater camera is a really useful tool. A handheld camera works great. You can fit it in your pocket. You can identify structure, weed lines, um, you name it. I, you know, there's lots of times where I've, I'm drilling holes and I'm, I'm not sure what's down there. I use my underwater camera to identify things, especially in clear water, because there's so many times where, you, you know, you drill a set of holes and all of a sudden you find fish. You drop the camera down. It's just such a useful tool um, and an aid to find fish. I, I really can't stress it enough for anglers to always have, you know, some sort of handheld underwater camera with them at all times. Great stuff from Tony Roach with Roach's Guide Service. Tony, if people want to follow along with what you're up to um, and maybe, you know, want to get in touch with you or something like that, what's the easiest way to do that? Uh, just roachesguideservice.com or they can check me out on Facebook. You know, I put a lot of blogs and information out there. i I listen to Brainerd Outdoors all the time. It's nice to compare notes with other guys. So um, I really appreciate you having me on, Brian. Well, it's great having you on, and hopefully we can have you on here in the future, Tony. I know you're real busy. We appreciate you taking the time to spend a few minutes with us, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you here down the line. All right. Thanks, Brian. Good luck fishing. And that's going to wrap up this week's show. You can catch Brainerd Outdoors just after 7, Saturday mornings, Sunday evenings at 7, and Monday mornings at 5 right here on B93.3. Stream it live at todaysbestcountry.com as well as BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com. And we're all over the podcast networks as well. So wherever you download your favorite podcast, search Brainerd Outdoors and uh, give us a nice rate and review. We'd appreciate that. Uh, We'll see you next week for another edition of Brainerd Outdoors. I'm Brian Moon. Brainerd Outdoors has been brought to you by Thielen Meats, Oars and Mine Marine in Crosby, Bermel Shoe Store in Randall, Liveax Marine in Isle, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Join Brian Moon Saturday mornings at 7, Sunday evenings at 7, and Monday mornings at 5, right here on B93.3.